0: Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we had not one, but two brand new episodes. In the first, I was joined by Fred from Era Technology, the decision intelligence company that makes business agility happen. Fred told us all about the company and what they do, their mission to drive beyond digital transformation using AI to reimagine how organizations operate, the rise of citizen data scientists and harnessing the power of decision intelligence, it was a really interesting episode with a lot of fresh and exciting perspectives on the industry. The second new episode was episode 28 of Blended, and we talked all about motherhood and how it sits with trying to build and maintain a career. We actually mostly talked about parenthood. The guests shared their personal experiences. We talked about transferable skills, some of the financial and emotional impacts of parenthood when they're navigating the workplace. And as always, we shared some practical tips and advice around what organizations can do better to support parents and set them up for success. I hope you enjoyed both of those episodes, but remember that if you miss them, you can catch up over on Chain.com, on the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. Era was episode 317, and Blended was episode 318. onboard new EDI trading partners in days, not months, with Orderful. Orderful provides a modern EDI platform that is displacing legacy on-premise and managed service solutions stop building point-to-point solutions if you are a retailer manufacturer logistics provider or technology company you can build a single integration to orderful's api and orderful will validate translate and communicate transactions to all of your trading partners orderful customers are onboarding new trading partners 80% 80% faster, resulting in increased revenue and lower overall EDI costs. To modernize your EDI infrastructure, visit orderful, orderful.com and speak to an EDI expert today. Now back to today's podcast and which forward-thinking software brand is joining me today? Well, it's Nependo. And Paul from Nependo is here to talk to us all about how they are the intelligent intermediator between buyers and sellers using technologies like robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to streamline interactions and benefit all trading partners. The Nependo platform is used by cross-vertical, medium-sized, and large companies across the globe, helping them reduce costs and improve procurement and supply chain efficiencies, as well as supporting their competitive strength. Big news! They were recently acquired by American Express. They offer an amazing platform allowing companies of all sizes to connect, communicate, and automate procure to pay or P2P activities, effortlessly integrating alongside existing payment systems. American Express is taking a confident step forward to enhance the existing suite of services available for businesses, merging with the Pando's team, tech, and capabilities. Before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Paul. Paul has been at the forefront of innovation in the spend management space for over 20 years. He pioneered the first software-as-a-service offering for Ariba and then transitioned their P2P solutions to the cloud. Paul also led the significant expansion of Ivalua into the North American market and served as their chief customer officer. More recently, Paul advised new entrants into the market as they partnered with clients and providers to get the most out of leading solutions like SAP Ariba, Coupa, Ivalua, and others. So welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. I am excited to have you here. I mean, Nependo brings together some of my favorite things, partnerships, supply chain efficiencies, intelligent automation to free people up to work on the big stuff, right? You really are leading on some of the best and most valuable industry trends. So I cannot wait to find out more. And I'm so excited you decided to do this episode with us. So let's dive right in. Let's start at the beginning because from what I've read, Nependo really was born out of how difficult it has historically been to successfully embrace new technologies and softwares. And I think it's something we can all really relate to. So, how and why was Nependo Nepen- founded? And what's your vision for the industry that your platform is helping to facilitate?
1: Right. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, so, yeah, Nependo started uh, around 10 years ago or so. And the founders are really focused on on two things. one of them was that uh, you know folks are were were trying to do stuff with technology, but the adoption curve was not what you would want it to be either on the buyer side or the supplier side okay and And the second thing was kind of a realization that most of the solutions and spend management were really buyer centric. Mm. and suppliers ended up having, you know, if a supplier had a hundred customers, they had a hundred portals that they had to log into and a hundred passwords to remember. and and things like that. So it was a little bit about trying to solve those two problems, adoption and and really the supplier experience.
0: Well, and think about all of those logins just for supply chain, and then you extend that out to your personal logins. I mean, yeah. now you're into the thousands, and nobody wants that. I mean, we hear people complaining about that all the time. Now, you haven't been there since the company was founded. Right. Um, tell us why you joined Nependo. What was it about them that really got you excited to go work with them?
1: I mean, when when you ask that question, it makes me feel old because I <laughs> kind of I feel like I've been through the three ages of spend management. I was at Ariba at the very beginning when it was really establishing the space. I was at Evalua when they were really doing the second thing, which was the space was established and more configurability was really required by by buyers in order to get exactly what they wanted done. Now, the reason I, I I joined Nipendo is because I, I kind of like the unique aspect of them coming to this with, you know, we jokingly refer to it, you know, bring your own beer, right? Those kinds of okay. things. They have a bring your own system kind of uh, situation where mm-hmm. and this kind of goes after that adoption problem is if you're using something, crap, just use it. And what we'll do is we'll broker in between that and what the, what the supplier is using. The supplier should bring their own system as well. So it was that that approach, um, much more um, additive than disruptive approach to what uh, customers are doing, both on the buyer and the supplier side, that uh, really intrigued me as as kind of the new age of spend management.
0: Well, and I can hear a collective sigh of relief when you talk about additive instead of disruptive, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of time we hear so much about disruptive technology. And I feel like some people get a little bit overwhelmed by that uh, word. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, this goes back a long time for me is the the uh, the analysts and others are looking for disruptive technologies and ways to kind of, you know, throw everything around. But the the customers we're talking about are buyers and suppliers who don't want a lot of disruption of their process. They have to, especially in the direct materials area, don't you dare touch what's going on here. This is why EDI still exists. This is why Excel and email are still so popular um, is because uh, change management is not really their forte. And so you have to come in, you have to go with what has been adopted, you have to add to it and increment it and make it better. And sure, we're using sexy technology behind the scenes, but that's not how to sell it to these guys. It's about pragmatic Mm -hmm. results
0: absolutely so give so that kind of gets me excited to find out a little bit more about what it is that you actually do right <laughs> and how you do that so give us an overview who are you you know what do you do how do you help your customers
1: so at the the high level we're we're talking about really two things one of them is connectivity and the other one is communication and so the the, the analogy here is if you string up telephone lines around the world that doesn't just solve everybody's communication problem because yes, you have connectivity. People can dial the phone, but there's no guarantee that the other guy will be on the line because it's around the world and he's not awake or he doesn't speak the same language or the context is lost in that communication. So, so connectivity uh, is one big thing that that's kind of table stakes for what we do. If you're going to bring your own systems, we need to be able to connect to those systems, but then the communication Something coming out of a buyer system, like let's say an order, needs to be communicated to a supplier so that he receives it as a sales order with all the bells and whistles the buyer wants him to pay attention to. And then he confirms it back with something that uh, uh, applies to what the buyer wants. So the communication about taking that signal and boosting it or blocking it or putting it in a context that the receiver can then understand appropriately, that's our job. And we're doing that across the spectrum of all the messages that are flying back and forth. Orders, receipts, invoices, payments, uh, supplier uh, information, uh, updates, uh, you know, addresses and RFXs. And oh, geez, all that stuff is just messages flying back and forth with the sender thinking he's saying one thing and the receiver receiving it wrong. So we're, we're so we're helping with that idea.
0: That's so true. I mean, we go through it in data, right? Somebody thinks that they're keying in the right data. And then all of a sudden, you've got one thing that's called five different things in your system. And then your data is useless. And it's totally the same thing with messages going back and forth. You know, I think I'm using the language that the other person is going to understand. I mean, this is communication kind of 101, right? Even when you're dealing with friends or family or anything like that, you know, I feel like I'm communicating it well. The other person doesn't see it that way. And so that's why we have so many challenges. So let's take a closer look at that, right? Starting with the buyers, what are some of the key challenges being faced by buyers at the moment?
1: So the, on the buyer side, it's it's uh it's pretty familiar territory for your listeners, I'm sure. It's uh, the the processes involved here. There's the strategic kind of processes around supplier vetting and sourcing and contracting, and then there's the more transactional stuff around orders, receipts, invoices, and payments. And uh, that that second part is where our base is really, because it's those that flow of information, and especially as it gets more complex, if, as the as the processes get more complex and mission critical, like with direct materials or complex services, the communication then is much more important. And the chances are with those complex things that they're using the ERP system rather than some middleware system uh, to do that communication. Um, You think about direct materials that's coming out of an MRP system, or if you talk about complex services for an energy firm, oil and gas or construction or something, these are all things that have complex moving parts and they've 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 really spent a lot of money putting all that stuff inside of their own ERP systems. They have mm-hmm. modules that are specific for it. So that's where the adoption is. So we need to be able to take something natively out of that and then transform it into something that the supplier can understand and respond to appropriately and with good timing because of yep. the mission critical aspect of timing. You run your MRP every night, you want to find out if the supplier can supply something within the day mm-hmm. uh, so that you can update that uh, as well. So, so it's really a, ba- a matter of taking taking what's coming out of the systems that people are comfortable being in on the buy side and, and adapting that for suppliers. And mm-hmm. on the suppliers, same sort of thing. They produce things, too. They produce quotes. They produce invoices. They produce shipping notices with new information information. And that's got to be molded into something that the buyer can take into the, on, the, on their side.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about some of the challenges, um, because you did a really good job of talking about the challenges and then the key benefits that the buyers have working with your platform. Let's now turn our attention to the supplier side, right? What are those challenges that they're seeing? Because suppliers have their own unique set of obstacles to navigate. And then what are the benefits that they see from using a platform like yours?
1: Right. So, I mean, it comes back to the original founder's uh, vision here is that the suppliers, as the buyers get their act together more, it actually forces more and inf- more uh, requirements on the suppliers, right? Because now the buyers saying, oh, by the way, you need to log into this portal in order to respond to me appropriately for my orders that are coming to you or right. to to put a good invoice in there that's going to fly through the system and I don't have to touch it you have to follow these steps and you have to go through this uh this this stuff. And so suppliers are even though there is some synergy amongst all of that stuff in terms of the process and what they have to do, every single one of them is a different portal that they'd have to to run through. So the big the big the big savings for suppliers is having one place that they can work with multiple customers through. Um, absolutely. Now they can turn that on 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 turbo by actually connecting with us directly so they're just working out of their home system and they're not working through one portal to all their customers they're working through their system in an integrated way with all their customers so that's how you you kind of really make that into turbo and we've been very uh good at this aspect of it uh, we've got about 20% of our customers are integrated and working with multiple customers hmm. and are really uh, saving a lot of course it's the ones who kind of self select into that area because they have so many transactions with those customers right it doesn't make sense if you've got four or five transactions a day or 20 or 30 a month or what whatever to log into a portal and do those transactions it's much better to do them directly from your system have it integrated through uh, nipendo to broker that information out to the appropriate customer
0: amazing Um, that's
1: a big savings for them
0: Yeah, so you, uh, you know, you're speaking in your own language, it gets sent through Nipendo, Nipendo does this, and then it comes out the other end in the other person's language. And, you know, if we think about time zones, we think about language itself, whether we're both speaking English or there's just language barriers between the buyers and the suppliers. I mean, this must just make a huge impact. So let's talk about that, right? What's the overall impact of facilitating buyers and suppliers to work much more successfully together? I mean, collaboration is the future of business. I say this all the time, but what's your perspective on it at a business level, but also on a wider industry level?
1: I mean, the obvious one is that people stop doing um, tedious things, right? right? On both sides. And and really, I mean, the I talked about the sexy technology. We have RPA, right? Um, robotic mm-hmm. process automation. Instead of applying that on the edges at the buyer, at the supplier, we're playing it in the middle. So we have RPA in the cloud. So we've got little bots running around and they have one job each, right? And they do one thing really well. And we've got maybe a thousand in our library, but really about 250 that are used a lot across multiple relationships between buyers and suppliers. Mm-hmm. So for example, if an invoice is coming in, uh, needs to have a three-way match, there's a three-way match bot and it knows how to look for the the PO and the receipt to match with the invoice. And and there's another one that's just looking at pricing and there's another one that's right. looking at, you know, delivery on time and so on. And they're all just like, like piranhas. They're jumping on every single little message that's coming across and they may they may be translating things, but they may also be blocking things. They might say, you know what, we didn't get a three-way match because, hey, Mr. (laughs) Supplier, you didn't ship it, and it pushes it back to them so that the supplier doesn't have to keep in mind not just the password to log in, but all the rules they have to follow to communicate with, right? Different customers have different rules. That's fine. But to broker and understand all those things, that's what we got our bots for and that's really the big impact here and and it's it's kind of a testament to our founders' vision that instead of looking at deploying those rules kind of on the edges like i said they they do it in the middle and where we're interesting is that no matter who is sending it we're we're making a universal format for that that object that's that that service so that our bots can go after it and we can keep our bots in a scalable state so they can work on you know, the invoices from many different suppliers for many different customers without having to be totally um, uh, customized for each one of those situations. And that's kind of where the scale is going to come into that.
0: Well, and I think if you think about this manually, I mean, it just makes me exhausted. Just just hearing you sort of list all of the different things that each customer, each buyer, or maybe each supplier comes with as far as the information that they need to really be your partner and make yeah. sure that things flow smoothly. I mean, we all saw with the pandemic, what can go wrong, right? Shortages, flow of material, everything that we're still dealing with right now in supply chain. And that's what makes this so important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what we're feeling. I mean, everybody got a shot in the arm in a way yeah. from the, the pandemic and people having to kind of rethink their jobs and what am i doing that's value add and what am what am i doing that can be automated and mm-hmm. you know i think that there's there's a fair amount of good introspection that people went through and they're i think they're a lot more open to this kind of situation now than perhaps they were before
0: well and let's talk about digitization right we hear about it all the time and i've noticed Some of the conversations that I'm having are really changing, right? At first, it was digital transformation is the savior of the whole industry. Mm -hmm. Then there was cynicism because it was perceived like it wasn't working. Then there was almost a slow understanding that a lot of businesses weren't actually approaching it right. They didn't really know what they wanted or they were purchasing the wrong technologies even. And I noticed there's even a quote on your website from a customer who actually admitted that they were initially reluctant to deploy your software. So what are you seeing from your perspective? What are people doing right when it comes to digitization and automation? What are they doing wrong? And what do you say to those businesses that are nervous about embracing that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of funny because uh, you you touched on where digitization, or guess what? There's also digitalization, and it's just driving me crazy. But anyway, (laughs) digitalization, I don't know what the difference is. There's, There's somebody smarter than me that's figured that part out. All I know is that when digitization comes into play, it's about the connectivity question. It's about making sure that those Uh, written down things become bits and bytes that you can do a little bit easier, you know, transformations and everything with, right. But it's still about the message. It's still about what does that actually mean? What did that mean to you when you said it to me? And what should I read that as when I put it into my system? Right. So it's still the transformation there. And I think that's where this dip happened is that people said, let's digitize everything. And then they were just digitizing messages that were not translated and that's where you get the dip. And where people are coming out of it is that they're 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 settling on terminology, they're settling on the way to speak to each other, which is hugely hard around the world with the weird suppliers and different industries that people are in. It's yeah. it's very difficult, right? So you can't settle as easily. So you need somebody in between that can kind of say, no, no, no. What he meant was this, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's where that's where we've been able to prove things for folks that are reluctant. They, they see the the huge mountain of difficulty that that is or they see the 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 failings of just digitaling digit, digitizing things and and they get a little bit uh, concerned about that and we, we want to kind of work at that one step at a time through uh, somebody who can translate basically.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate you going through that and sort of talking us through what that looks like. The other part of digitization is the overwhelming nervousness around integration and onboarding. I mean, when you hear those words, you're kind of like, well, do I have time? Does my IT department have time? Does my team have time? You know, like it sparks so many different conversations and questions that you have when you hear about a new technology, when when we're talking about a new technology and we're talking about people taking a look at, you know, Nintendo as a solution for them. And I know that Nipendo was founded because of the heavy investments in time, effort, and money that was demanded by introducing other new software solutions. So I presume that the integration with Nipendo is fairly easy, but talk us through that.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a good, it's a good case here. And you know, I talked about the three ages that I went through. And the, the reason I think that Nipendo is able to be successful here in this third age is not because of what Nependo did, it's because the the industry as a whole has evolved to a point where there's some definition now at the system level on both buyer side and supplier side, there's some definition of what the objects are that we're trading back and forth. We got orders, we got receipts, invoices, RFXs, supplier records, whatever those things are, most systems now have a relatively good and and somewhat normalized context for that. And they have APIs, they know they have to work well with others. So, <laughs> those two things have made integration an easier thing. Don't get me wrong, it's still the long lead time item, mostly because not of the difficulty or complexity of integration, but because of the availability of IT folks. At the end uh-huh. of the day, they got lots on their plate and they've got a pared down staff after the uh, pandemic and everything so it's about getting on their plates but what we've done there is we've realized that in terms of core competencies we're about the center about that about rpa in the cloud and all that other translation stuff which we think is a big deal but it's table stakes that you have connections connectivity and there are experts for every system out there and luckily those systems realize that most of the messages we're passing back and forth are not crazy customized messages they're very standard messages And with all that in mind, we're able to do this much easier than we used to be able to do it uh, with plugins to all the famous systems on both sides.
0: Awesome. And thank you for your honesty with that, right? Because, you know, we also want to be fair to the audience and let them know what that could look like, you know, the people that you need in place. And I think that makes it also easier for you (laughs) when you're talking to a potential client or a client that's interested in your technology, that they also have the right resources in place and they're committed to doing it too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean kind of what we are is we like to keep it real. Right. So, yeah. So uh, the honesty is, is the best policy on this because it's always going to come to play anyway. And, you know, typically we say, look, that is the, 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 the the availability of your IT is kind of the long lead. It's not the long lead time item, but it's more of a blocking item. So you can get over that block. You can kind of figure out when that's going to happen. The rest of it is pretty easy. We're going to do the heavy lifting because we're going to make sure that the message is going to flow through whatever pipe you open up. It's just a matter of opening that pipe. Yes. And, um, and that's been, that's been the conversation that's usually broken the log jam a bit. On yeah. That.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure people, you know, really resonate with that and are grateful for it. So who do you like, who is your ideal client? You know, we've mentioned, I think enterprise organizations, do you exclusively exclusively work with enterprise businesses or can you help other sized organizations as well?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you can imagine this, this has resonance in, in kind of two areas. One of them is enterprise businesses where they have, uh, some complexity in their, in their operational, uh, you know, uh, transactional thing. Cause our base is really in the procure to pay area, orders, mm-hmm. receipts, invoices, if you've got direct materials for example if if you've got that or if you've got some complex services we're probably that's our sweet spot we can do indirect of course but but um but it's really the more complex areas that really lean towards us because they're doing so much work in their ERP system and feel like that communication is just lacking so that's that's one and any size organization uh will have good purchase there the other one that we, that we are targeting is in the mid-market, the smaller companies that just don't have a procurement group clamoring for their own software yet. They're, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not big enough, or maybe they they're not even, they don't have uh, you know, category managers and, and professional buyers and everything. They have people who need to get stuff. They're usually in finance and they want a little bit more spend management, but they don't have um. They don't have a need to have their own logins to, uh, you know, uh, some of the 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 guys out there, Reba, Koopa, and Evaluan, those those kinds of guys. So we we think that we might have some uh, capabilities there. We've certainly proven that out with our home market. So we're Israeli based originally. Very hard hard uh, buyers and suppliers, very demanding. So we feel like that's the crucible where we've really proven ourselves out, and we've been able yeah. to do that at the small. small companies as well as the large, really complex ones.
0: That's really, really great to hear. And you work with some big names. So I'm excited for the case study question today, especially as you talk about some of those um, instances right? Mm -hmm. Where you've tested it out for small, you've tested it out for enterprise. So paint us a picture, maybe one example for small, one example for for enterprise of how you've worked with your customers. What was their challenge? Which solution were they working with? And what was the impact or ROI of implementing that solution?
1: Sure. Um, On the the, uh, large side, um, so one of the companies that we work with is called IAI, um, Israeli Aerospace. They're the Boeing of Israel, basically. So they're a defense contractor, as you can imagine, uh, putting a lot of stuff in there, but also uh, aerospace, uh, airplanes, and so on. And so their their suppliers uh, and their customers are kind of the the big ones of the world that you'd expect: Boeing and and Honeywell and 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 a bunch of others. And so they have actually over the five years or so that they've been our customer, they've grown by leaps and bounds. And at the same time, shrunk the uh, the amount of people that are that are working with all the orders. So I think they had a one and a half percent, a one and a half growth, or almost two two x growth over two or three years. Mm -hmm. And they were able to shrink the the workforce of um, AP and procurement down during that time and cut it in half. So um, really, kind of the opposite direction there. And and the reason for that is you think about big, discrete manufacturers like that, Mm -hmm. when they are buying direct materials, they're buying huge things. You know, you you can't just ship it and, you know, the UPS truck uh, shows up at the door and knocks on it and says, open up the back dock. You actually (laughs) have to schedule when those big three-story doors are going to be opening and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. there's a ton of coordination that needs to happen there in not just what we need, but the quality certificates on it, when it's going to ship, exactly when it's going to arrive, it's going to be inspected and all those kinds of things there where there's communication and collaboration going on and and we've been able to help them with that and we started out with just that but then we've expanded into how they do supplier management and and a bunch of other things as well um as they've grown so uh that one's a good one on on the on the big side on the small side we've got a ton of, of relatively small customers that where the finance group was basically saying look, I want the benefits of spend management. I want the benefits of spend under management. That is that we're buying the right things from the right customers at the right price and we're getting them on time, right? And so how can I do that without adding a procurement organization? And how can I do that without um, without necessarily uh, bending over backwards for all my suppliers um, so that they they can actually interact with me and um, we've got we've got a, a number of very small companies, none of which are big enough for me to mention, but where they've we, they've actually gone into that that uh, that situation, especially, you know, in the very simplest way, you could just put in AP automation and get to a point where most of our customers are over 95 percent touchless on their invoices. Wow. So that the suppliers are are su- submitting invoices in all different forms as they are want to do. But we're we're validating those, pushing them back when necessary, holding on to them when necessary, and then releasing them to AP so that they can be posted ninety five percent of the time without AP having to lift a finger. And so wow. that's uh, that's our that's our key metric there.
0: Yeah, that's huge, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, everything that leads to saving money. Right, Time, effort also results in the ROI and the benefit of digitizing and using a platform like this. I mean, that is gold when one part of the equation doesn't have to touch it until they absolutely need to touch it, which is huge because then things don't get lost in translation, right?
1: Exactly, That's which exactly is exactly
0: what we're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we keep coming back to that translation thing, right?
0: <laughs> I know. So finally, then, what does the future hold for Nependo? What can we look out for? What, what, what do you have coming up?
1: Yeah, so, um, so you know, I joined uh, less than a year ago, and we've got some crew, some more other crew for for the U.S. market, and so we're really going to be focusing in on on U.S. based. Uh, buyers and suppliers. Uh, we already have a fair amount of traction here. And we've got some good references and so on. So on the enterprise side, it's about awareness and it's about when people are ready to buy. So it's a matter of getting our name out there and making sure that we're at least uh, considered in the RFP process um, as folks are doing it as kind of an alternative to uh, what, what you'd see from the usual suspects. Um, so, so there's more on that to come. Um, on the other end, on the on the more mid market side, uh, it's about partnerships. It's about partnering with uh, players who already have good relationships in those areas. Sometimes they're the ERP players themselves, mm-hmm. and sometimes there are other folks who are working with finance on other aspects of the business who want to get into spend management. And I think that that the 2023 you'll see our name out there as as a kind of add on to a more holistic approach that a mid-market company can do so that they can kind of leverage technology to walk and talk like a big guy without having to be a big guy. And hopefully we can help them with that, with that journey.
0: I love to hear that, and I cannot wait to hear more, and I'm sure our audience feels the exact same way. Imagine a world in which companies receive over 95% of their invoices automatically, fully validated and error-free. A world in which interactions between buyers and suppliers are automatically governed for compliance and where discrepancies are managed quickly and efficiently. A world in which all this is possible within a matter of weeks without having to replace place existing systems or change working methods. Well, you can stop imagining because that world is here with Nependo. Whether you're a supplier or a buyer, the Nependo platform will help you to modernize, digitalize, and become more efficient. I mean, what more could you ask for? If you want to find out more, you can check them out over at Nependo.com. N-I-P-E-N-D-O dot com. And a massive thanks to Paul for joining me and for the team at Nependo for making this episode happen. Thanks so much, Paul.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity bottom line and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. Plus, if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show and you you can get to know who they are, what they do before you even get into their sales funnel. So put in your keyword in our search function and all of the content will come up. And remember to come back next week I'm going to be joined by Flexport. That's right. It's been a long time in in the making. Flexport is finally going to be joining me on the show talking about who they are, what they do, why you should be working with them and what we can expect from them in the future. So definitely stay tuned for that one. And if you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. or also over on TikTok. Subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com for all of the latest content, news, and so much more, including giveaways. Plus, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, where you can catch up on all of our live shows, podcasts, videos, plus our new game show is over there as well called Superstar game face. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show and you could be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.